welcome to the Coventry Vineyard Podcast. Wherever and whenever you're listening, we hope you're blessed by this message. If you want to find out more about our church or speak with someone about Jesus, head to coventryvineyard.org. Good morning, my name's Nick and I'm one of the pastors here at Coventry Vineyard. Now we're going to continue our series on the King and His Kingdom and today I'm going to look at the place of prayer in the disciples' life. So for those of us that are choosing to follow King Jesus, what is the place of prayer in our lives? Now a number of years ago I was a teacher in a faith school not too far from here and as part of my my job I was expected to lead my form in the Lord's Prayer in the morning and then whichever class you had at the end of the day to finish off the day again with the Lord's Prayer. And I don't know if you can imagine it, but if you can imagine having battled through a lesson teaching photosynthesis to a class of year nines and then the bell goes at the end of the day and saying to this class of 15 year olds, now let's bow bow our heads. It was not my most uh, pleasant time of day. I've never heard anyone pray the Lord's Prayer quite so fast. And as these 15-year-olds recited this prayer like robots, many of them were dead to the majesty of this prayer, the prayer of King Jesus. And it really put me off uh, the Lord's Prayer. And what revolutionised my own prayer life was seeing the Lord's Prayer as a framework and as an outline a bit like scaffolding to create a house of prayer in my own life. And the Lord's Prayer is really the disciples' prayer or the apprentices' prayer. It demonstrates the attitude of surrender and dependence that apprentices of Jesus have. Now, last week we looked at how we we, uh, respond to the invitation of King Jesus and that as we enter the kingdom of God, we become kingdom people and we become more fully human. Um, As many of you know, I've found uh, some of the works and teachings of Dallas Willard really helpful uh, in explaining the kingdom of God. And he says this, he says, when we pray, we enter the real world, the substance of the kingdom, and our bodies and souls begin to function for the first time as they were created to function. Eugene Peterson says, a kingdom of heaven life consists of things to do and ways to think. But if there is no prayer at the centre, nothing lives. Prayer is the heart that pumps blood into all the words and acts. Prayer Prayer is not just one more thing in an inventory of elements that make up a following Jesus kingdom of heaven life. Prayer is the heart of this kingdom life. And so, if prayer is essential for a life of following Jesus, how is your prayer life? What is the place of prayer in your own life? Do you find prayer boring? Do you get so bored or you forget to pray or you simply fall asleep when you close your eyes to pray? Are we intimidated by prayer and feel that we can never pray like those who pray long and rich prayers? Do we get distracted when we pray? Do we question whether prayer actually works? And we ask ourselves, is it really worth doing when there are so many other exciting things that we can be doing with our time? What's the point? What's the point of prayer? 
or do our prayers feel like they just dribble onto the ground or seem to bounce off the ceiling? So how do we pray? Well, I'd like to look today at how Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And so if you've got a Bible, uh, it'd be good to turn to Matthew 6. Uh, most of these words will come up on the screen, but it's always good to have your Bible open in front of you. So we're going to be in Matthew 6 and we're looking at 5 to 13. Jesus is teaching his disciples on this hill and he's teaching them about a kingdom of heaven kind of life, a kingdom of God life. And he says to them this, he says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And so Jesus is saying that this is how not to pray. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like these religious people who are motivated by being seen. They don't pray out of a place of grace. They pray out of a place of wanting to get um, seen and rewards. Jesus says it's not going to be like this for you. It says in verse 6, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Basically saying there's a place for personal private prayer and there's also a place for this corporate prayer but keep it simple. You don't need lots of words. You don't need to use a different voice or a different language. And one of the beauties of the prayer that Jesus is going to teach his disciples here is that it's in their own language. Jesus, Jesus taught them to pray in the language of the day, which was Aramaic rather than Hebrew. Now, what I'd like to do is to go through this prayer and break it up into three sections and give a couple of points to help you use this prayer as a framework for your own prayers, whether on your own or with others, or as you prayer walk uh, the streets of your neighbourhood. And then at the end, we're going to pray this prayer together. So in verse 9, Jesus says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. So the first section, who are you praying to? Jesus told his followers to call God Father. The revelation that Jesus gives of God is that you can know him as Father. He is personal. He is present with you and Jesus when you pray. And so Jesus introduces his followers to his Father as their Father. Now, most people who struggle to pray do so because of an inability to place themselves in this relationship with their Heavenly Father and to receive that relationship by grace. You see, through Jesus we experience God as Father. Our understanding of God as Father comes from our relationship with Jesus and not from our relationship with our own biological fathers. Jesus shows us the Father. If you remember back to Matthew 3, we read that the Father's voice was heard at the baptism of Jesus saying, this is my Son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. 
God was delighted with the man that Jesus had become. And with the knowledge that his heavenly father was delighted with him, Jesus was able to do the things that he saw the father doing. Now, only through Jesus do we get to see the father. Only through Jesus do we come into a relationship with God as father. My question for you is, have you asked Jesus to introduce you to the Father's love for you, to experience the love that he has for you, like, like Jesus experienced that love, to hear him say, you are my beloved, in you I am well pleased. Now, if you struggle with prayer, maybe it'd be good just to take some time before you pray, just to reflect on that relationship. Um, many people used to just sit in silence just for an hour before they prayed this prayer, just to be in the right place, the right frame of mind. Now, you may not be able to do that, but you may want to just take some time to reflect on the famous story that Jesus told of the Father, a Father that runs to his Son, a Father of mercy and grace, forgiveness and furious love. And you find that in Luke 15. It's called the, the prodigal son, but it should really be called the prodigal father because the father is just recklessly lavish and, and wasteful with his love. See, the love of the father was what motivated the things Jesus did and what grounded him in all that he was. It was to his father that he turned to when the darkness surrounded him. So Jesus prays, our father in heaven, now in Deuteronomy 4 verse 7, we read that the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him. And so where is heaven? Where is God's rule and reign? His kingdom, this kingdom of heaven. Now sometimes we think of heaven as a long, long way away and much, much later. But Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is near. It is at hand. It's like you can reach out and grab hold of it. The kingdom is where God rules and reigns. So you could say, our Father who is always near us. You see, heaven is much closer than you think. And so we have this relationship with God as Father, but then Jesus says you also have this relationship with a God who is holy. He says, hallowed be your name. He is Father, but he is also holy. And when we say, hallowed be your name, we are saying, Lord, make your name holy in my life and in the life of others. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we are asking God to help us to live our lives so that we can bring honour and glory to him. To hallow God's name is to give God the supreme place in our thoughts, our affections, and in the way we live our lives. And so that's the first section. There's so much I'd want to kind of just pull out from this. Um, and we actually did a series uh, a number of years ago on the Lord's Prayer, so you might want to go back and have a look at that um, through our website. Second section is really praying for others. And so Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So your kingdom come. Now remember the kingdom of God is the range of God's effective will. Now, when I get into our car to drive, I like to have it a certain way. 
And if Vicky has been driving the car before me, I move the seat further back, I turn the temperature down, I put the air up and I open as many vents as I possibly can. I'll change the, the music, I'll change the mirror, and I have it set just how I want it. Because this now is my kingdom and I have it just how I want it. And so when we request your kingdom come, we're not asking for the kingdom to come into being, we're asking that God's kingdom would displace the kingdoms that may for a time have been in power. We're asking for a regime change. We want it exactly how God wants it. And so we think of the places where we spend our lives, the, our homes, our work, streets, our schools, shops, and we ask that God's kingdom, his will, would break through into the ordinary. We're also asking that God's kingdom would extend into culture, that God's light would shine into dark places and set people free, that the kingdom would displace the evil that we see around us in our city, in our relationships, and in our own lives, and that we would be a part of this change. And so we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my will, but yours, God. Not what I want, but what you want. And so when I pray through the Lord's Prayer, I pause on each of these phrases and I just mull it over in my mind. I let uh, each phrase help me form different prayers about what's going on in my life day by day. See, when we choose to live as God would have us live, when we say your will be done, we are living as God made us to live. We are living out God's vision for us, his will for us, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And so this is the life of heaven here and now. And so Jesus goes on to say, on earth as it is in heaven. See, as we declare who God is, we get pulled up and see from a different place. We feel different. We see what he sees. We get a change in perspective. We're praying what um, happens in heaven, in God's kingdom, in God's realm. We want that to happen in our own lives and in the lives of others. And so we pray for others. And then thirdly, we pray for ourselves. And so Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. Now, God wants to know what's bothering you. God loves it when we ask for things. Children ask their parents for things. The expectancy that a parent is in a position to provide what is being requested, it's all about a relationship of trust. Asking prayers are really the most common prayers in the whole of the Bible. And so God wants to know what is important to you. To say, give us today our daily bread is kind of say, to say, give us today the bread that never runs out. You see, one of our deepest and most crippling fears is the fear of not having enough. The question is about what will the future bring? What about my job? What about my family? And so this prayer to our Heavenly Father is an exercise in trust. We trust him to give us what we need, that we would have enough. Enough for today, enough for tomorrow, enough for our families. 
and we pray for release from fear and uncertainty. My question is, do we trust our Father enough to give us what we need? And then next, Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And so he might change that to forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. See, there is a connection between God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of others. We ask for forgiveness from our own sin, our debt to God, but we also forgive those who sin against us. Not to earn forgiveness, but as a demonstration that we have received forgiveness and that that freedom from sin makes us then release others of their sin to us. As Tom Wright comments, the heart that will not open to forgive others will remain closed when God's forgiveness is offered. And this is what Jesus is getting at later in verses 14 and 15. And Jesus also clearly explains the connection between receiving forgiveness and forgiving others in the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18. You might want to read that as well. Then towards the end, Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. As we pray, our Heavenly Father wants us to be honest and authentic and real. And so we all know where we are vulnerable to say something or do something that we will later regret. Those things which will harm others those things which erode our trust in our Heavenly Father. And so we pray for the Holy Spirit to lead us towards righteousness, to lead us towards doing the right things, to having the right heart attitude, to encourage us to stay on the right path and avoid the ambushes of the enemy. And so you talk to him about the things which trip you up, the things which ensnare you, those habits or things that you want to be free of. Now, as I think back to those days in that school with those teenagers reciting this prayer like robots, I wonder what impact it had on their own lives. And I often wonder what is the impact of what is the impact of this own this prayer has on my own life or the life of those in our church. What impact does this prayer have on your life? Now, this prayer is a lot more powerful than you might think. I recently came across a story um, of somebody who grew up in the former Soviet Union where religion and uh, prayer and Christianity was banned. But at funerals, they were allowed to recite the Lord's Prayer. And so she says this, she says, as a young child, I heard those strange words and had no idea who we were talking to, what the words meant, where they came from, or why we were reciting them. When freedom came at last, I had the opportunity to search for their meaning. When you're in total darkness, the tiniest point of light is very bright. For me, the Lord's Prayer was that point of light. By the time I found its meaning, I was a Christian. And so there is such rich theology in this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. And so my encouragement 
to you over this time of Lent we're in at the moment, up to Easter, would be to sit with the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer, and let it transform your life. I want to encourage you to take some time to pray as King Jesus taught his disciples to pray. You see, the only way that we will accomplish the mission that King Jesus has given us through this church is through much prayer. And so to finish off with, I want to just give you three top tips about prayer and then we're going to pray together. Number one, I suggest that you pray at a particular time of day and a particular length of time. So Jesus tells his disciples to find a quiet place, to go into your room and close the door, to remove distractions. And so it might be that you need to do some sort of tag team care for any unruly people that might be in the house. Or maybe it's actually not just go out, um, behind the door, but actually to get out into the garden or somewhere that's quiet where there's less distractions. See, Jesus went to a solitary place to pray where he wouldn't be disturbed. Jesus made himself inaccessible to others so he, that he was completely accessible to God. So one of the things I do is I put my phone onto airplane mode um, and just sort of switch it off and hide it away so I'm not distracted by that. Now, like physical exercise, the way to begin or restart after injury is slowly. So if you're new to prayer, then I'd recommend you start with just five minutes a day. No more, no less, not as the mood takes you, but to set aside the same amount of time at the same time of day when you are at your best. So maybe five minutes as you wake up, maybe five minutes just after you've put kids to bed, or maybe five minutes at lunchtime, or maybe five minutes in the car before you leave the car and head into work, or maybe five minutes before you open up your computer, or maybe five minutes before you go to sleep. Maybe you need to have a discussion today about how you can make that time Maybe just five minutes and then just go from there and just see how that builds up. Secondly, I'd recommend that you pray with others, that you would learn from them, listen to their prayers, have others encourage you to pray. So you might want to form a prayer cell with two or three others. You might want to attend a monthly prayer meeting or join in with 24-hour prayer. Uh, we have Zoom prayer that happens every now and then. And so we learn how to pray as we, as we pray with others. And then lastly, prayer is simply talking with God about what you are doing together. When Jesus prayed, he expected things to change. And so when we pray, we expect the kingdom to come. We talk to God, but we also listen. And so it might be helpful for you to keep a prayer journal to make a note of specifics of those things that you prayed for and when those things have been answered. So in a moment, we're going to go to our online gathering. But let me just finish by praying the Lord's Prayer. And I'm just going to pause after each section. I just want you to just rest in God's presence right now. Rest in the presence of the Father. So, our Father, 
in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We would love to connect with you on a Sunday morning soon. Bless you and have a great week.